0: Hi, I'm Keith Gricorian. You're listening to Inside Position. Hope you guys like the show.
1: Sacrifices, you got to make sacrifices with your team. To answer your question. Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Today's guest is one of the most active Nogi competitors in the world, 10th Planet Black Belt, Keith Gricorian. Keith has a load of experience the last few years competing in some of the highest level Nogi tournaments in the world. So it was great to chat to him today about his jiu-jitsu journey so far. We had a great conversation about everything from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu to wrestling and also the ups and downs that he's experienced. I hope everyone enjoys the show. Don't forget to give us a like or a positive review and also subscribe for more if you haven't already to avoid missing any future episodes. So here we go with another episode of Inside Position with Keith Krikorian. Hey Keith, thanks for coming on the show.
0: (laughs) No problem, man. Thanks for having me.
1: I want to start off just kind of talking about how you got into training and i'm wondering did you actually start off training at the 10 planet gym or did you end up moving there after
0: i started out just at like a full-on it was like a boxing um it was that the gym was actually called a boxing club it was mainly boxing but they had like you know kickboxing they had jujitsu they had muay thai all the stuff right but i just did boxing just because i liked it i thought it was like you know uh this is the only thing i wanted to focus on when i was really young and then uh, eventually they got me to start jujitsu. It was, I want to say, just like an un- unaffiliated Gracie school something or something maybe. Like it was Gracie something. I, I don't even know. Um, so I was in the Gi for like six months maybe. And then uh, the gym got sold or bought out by a gym that later became 10th Planet. But they brought in uh, Boogie, like a 10th Planet coach. So I was only non-10th Planet for like, Six months, maybe maybe eight months, you know? And then it was
1: from there on, it was uh, all 10 Planet. Like 10 Planet is known for having a very kind of different environment to a lot of other Jiu Jitsu gyms. And I was wondering, like, as a beginner or someone who's new to the sport, how would you find that, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, it
0: it was, it was, I do remember there being like some, you know, minor differences, right? Just like in the the class structure, the obviously the techniques and stuff too, it being gi, you know? We had like the head coach was like a Brazilian guy. He was really, really cool. You know, uh, he would tell stories about like, you know, how he came up and how different it was, you know, and he was mostly no-gi. We kind of do a little-gi, I remember, but it was less, you know, rigid. The class structure was less rigid. It was more like, you know, it felt it was like more. It was really fun for me to be there, you know, um, as like a kid because I liked like the less like strict, you know, class structure. And then the 10th Planet One. Once we had like our Boogie, the 10th Planet coach come in, he he made it strictly 10th Planet. And uh, I really liked that. That was my favorite just because it was like, oh, these techniques are like really cool. They apply. They're like kind of like a lot of them are like wrestling based, you know, like um, leg ride stuff, the even like the like dog fight stuff, the half guard stuff. Like it's all wrestling applicable. And I was like around high school age. So I was wrestling at the time and I thought it was just so cool. And, and Boogie was just like one of the coolest dudes I'd ever met. So I was just like, man, this is awesome.
1: That's funny that you say it was almost like similar to the wrestling. Cause when I think of 10 Planet, I think of skinny flexible guys doing like yeah, yeah. <laughs> pulling guard, rubber guard, but now they think of it as well. Like even Eddie was saying the twister kind of came from his wrestling base and everything. So how did you find l- like translating the wrestling experience into the grappling experience then?
0: It was good, man. And you're right. Like a lot, there were, there are obviously a lot of t- 10 planet techniques, you know, uh, that don't work in wrestling, but like, Eddie was actually, yeah, like you you mentioned, he kind of he developed a lot of his his techniques from you know uh, when he wrestled in, in I think like high school maybe or maybe he was a middle school wrestler I forget. But um, before I started wrestling, I had kind of just like a random. There was a, just like just a gnarly randomness to my game. I didn't really know anything. I would just learn. I would piece together like the few things that I had learned at each class, you know. Um, and I would try to make it work somehow. Um, but then once I started wrestling, it just like all connected and it gave me like, Oh, okay, sweet. So like, I can, you know, start on the feet and then get to a front headlock and then everything just connects from there. It was really easy, you know, or I could shoot a double and I could get a guy on his back and I could start from there, you know, or even if he takes me down, at least I'm connected now. And now I can start working the rubber guard stuff, you know? So like it connected really, really well. And, uh, and I enjoyed it. Obviously, like I said, I couldn't apply all of it to like wrestling, but I could apply all my wrestling to jiu-jitsu really, um, with the, the exception of like, you know, turning to your stomach. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, dude, it was just great. And I uh, I remember Boogie would push me a lot in, in high school, you know, like to like make sure I stayed focused and stuff and like get to like his, He he, he taught like some really cool 6am classes. So I would like I would be really motivated to get to the six AMs before school and then I would after school i would go to wrestling or you know, off season we'd lift and then I would go to the you know, the night classes at his gym and like he just he kept me super motivated and stuff and I never really like I was always just competing in, in wrestling year round pretty much off season and, and in season and less jujitsu, but then he was like he was really uh, he would really push me to do to do the jujitsu tournaments and and I don't think I ever won jiu-jitsu tournament i i might have not even won like like uh more than like one match per tournament till like purple belt my win to loss ratio was just outrageous it was like it was like the probably like one to five like i was losing so much um but he would always push me he'd push me to do like the adult divisions and he'd push me to um, you know, do the teens and adults and stuff. And I always appreciated that, you know, even though I kind of sucked, <laughs> like he, he saw something in me at least, you know, he knew I could be at least, you know, I could, I could get over the hump, you know, and, and he, and he stuck with me till I did, you know, which I thought I always appreciated, you know,
1: I was wondering with the 10 planet schools, like, do they push everyone to use the same game, the different 10 planet moves or like at what point do you have more control over the direction you go in? Cause a lot of the modern competitors. They have more of like a wrestling heavy or like leg lock heavy game that might be a bit different to the classic like rubber guard half guard stuff.
0: I do remember like initially it was a lot of just ten planet techniques. I was I wasn't being pressured or anything, but I was like you know I was
1: it's just you, what was taught as well. Yeah, yeah. You,
0: you wanted to yeah you wanted to hit the stuff you were learning in class, so it was like all that, and then it was right around when the DDS came around, and you saw like Gary Gordon Eddie Cummings like all doing leg locks, so we started to use leg locks a lot. And, uh, and that just added like, you know, a whole different element. Like, like I had never really even thought about, you know, it was all like closed guard. It was all, you know, initially for me, it was all closed guard and half guard. I didn't do a whole lot of like butterfly elevation to like Ashi. Certainly didn't do any like single X or X guard or anything, you know? And I didn't know what honey hole was or fifty fifty or all these, all these things. I barely knew like what a heel hook. Was. I didn't know the difference between an inside and an outside heel hook until like until midway through purple belt, <laughs> and uh I had to like ask all, all my buddies and, and and Boogie and all them and and um and that was kind of like when oh okay my game's like it can't just be wrestling and tenth plan jiu jujitsu you know it has to be like everything else that everyone's doing you know and and uh, knew that I knew the best guys were were like at the time were Eddie Cummings and Gary and Gordon so I was watching them and just kind of like emulating their leg lock stuff and you know there was a few other like guys that I that I liked watching at the time, that were pretty big. I remember like, uh, like who was big at the time? I think Cron Gracie was. He was just like retired, um, but like he was like a little bit before then. So I was like, oh, I, I kind of like that guy. He had his own style going on. I remember he wasn't like quite a uh, wasn't quite like a top player. Wasn't quite a bottom player. <laughs> like he was really well rounded. Yeah, he's a, he a close guard guy, I guess. But but yeah, I remember I remember thinking, uh thinking that was cool so it was like it was once i had kind of like seen all the 10th planet stuff that i you know needed and everyone wanted me to know that's kind of when when we started to branch out
1: and how was the training with eddie how does he come up with the crazy names for the techniques and all these different things he's definitely a unique character in the sport but i think one of the best things he has is just the creativity that he gives everyone he has an open mind with a lot of different techniques i was wondering what you learned from training with him throughout the years
0: To be honest, I maybe only trained in them less than 20 times because he was in L.A. So it was like not far, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it was like a high school kid. So that's like that's like the other side (laughs) of the country. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So I would go every now and then with Boogie and did little tournaments up there. and You know, they were they were big tournaments at the time. I remember like um, they were the EBI qualifiers. So I would go up and watch my friends do those. And how he comes up with all the names is probably you have to ask him. I have no clue. Um, and, uh, and his, like his, I don't want to say his teaching style, but like his learning style, it's like very open. Like, like you said, it's very creative. Like he's willing to like look at a move that might have like a 1% success rate because, you know, uh, one time out of 99 or a hundred, I mean, it's, it's going to work, you know? And, uh, and that's enough for him, you know? So like, if it even has that little slim chance of, of working, then it's worth knowing. Which I think is cool. And I don't think a lot of instructors would see it that way. I don't think they would, they would be so open minded, they'd be like, well, hey, man, that's not there's That's not going to work. You know, it's like, well, it's not going to work a lot, but it might work. And um, because it might work, we should probably know it, you know, and uh, I always appreciated that about 10th planet, because I mean, you know, dude, like the moment that you don't see something coming or you like you, you think that this guy's only going to do that is the the moment that he catches you with something you weren't expecting, you know? So it's like, it's, it's good to expect the unexpected in a lot of ways. And and like the techniques, some of the techniques that, that guys would show Eddie or that Eddie would show, or were like techniques that, you know, you wouldn't see very often, but when you did, at least, at least, you know, like, okay, I, I, I probably got to look out for this, you know?
1: And then train in San Diego, like there's so many good gyms there. Would you do much cross training around or how has it been having your jiu-jitsu journey in like basically the mecca of jiu-jitsu in the world at the moment?
0: Yeah, it was really cool. I didn't I mean, I, we would cross train every now and then. We'd go to like um we'd go to Alliance. I've never been to Autos. Um, I've never been to AOJ, I've <laughs> never been to <laughs> Povrinhas, I've never been to a lot of these gyms. We would just get a lot of visitors at our school. We would and like the cool thing about San Diego, Temple San Diego is like, you have so many great dudes to train with like all the time. It's such consistently, I guess like the class numbers are so consistent that like there's at least a few like solid dudes, every single class. So like you wouldn't, I didn't really feel pressured to go to too many places because I was constantly getting my ass kicked, you know? And, uh, and I was like, man, how, you know, why would I even need to, to, uh to get my ass kicked somewhere else if I could barely hang here and. And, uh, and I, I thought that was really good, you know, um, obviously, uh, I get great training with, with, with PJ and Geo. Um, so like, and they, they own school or they, they ran schools. So like, I would go there and I would, you know, I would, so I would, it wasn't just at San Diego. I would go to, PJ was at Spring Valley, Gio was at Oceanside and I would go up, up and around there and, and get a bunch of different looks that way. So. Um, not as much, I still, I guess that's not cross training, but like, you know, getting, getting around to, to, to different gyms and stuff, you know, and, uh, just dude, I mean, there's so many gyms over here. Like I'm even realizing it now, um, just coming from the East coast right now, like, like, it's kind of hard to find sessions on the East coast sometimes, you know, like you got to like, you know, look around, keep your eyes open but out here it's dude there's like too many i have to like turn people down to train you know which is which is like a good it's a good problem to have you know um and it's just it's, it's it's really really
1: cool you know like regards competing you were saying there a minute ago like you not struggled but had a lot of wins and losses up to purple belt was there something that changed then because the last few years you definitely had much better results high up in the rankings for whatever they're worth <laughs> and uh was there something to change to kind of help you have a bit more success in competition or the way you thought about it or what kind of went on there?
0: I mean, dude, just like the experience competing a lot, you know, it was something I got in wrestling. Like I was I was mentioning earlier, you, you get, you know, you get 40 matches per season, which is like good. But then, you know, it's really in the off season where you go to a, you know, you, you pay, you know, five bucks to do freestyle five, you know, and then it's like, oh, uh, it's three bucks to do. Sorry, well, you pay like five bucks to do folk style, which is like the high school style. And then you'd pay like, you'd be like, oh, dude, and you can pay like three bucks for freestyle and two bucks for Greco and get like 10 more matches. So it's like, all right, cool. So you would get like 15, 20 matches in a day and all different styles. You'd you know, finish one match and they'd be calling you on another match and you'd have to do Greco. And, um, and then, you know, you'd have to go to the other man, and do freestyle. And like, I just thought it was really good to get like the the reps, you know, and I would, oh, I would lose all those matches. Like I would lose, like I would, win. <laughs> I would win, like maybe one folk style match or one freestyle match just off like, you know, like just like flipping a guy over and not even knowing what I'm doing, you know, but the experience was really good. And I just love doing that. And so I started to apply that to jujitsu and I just was like, all right, well, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more expensive. Cause like, you know, a knob was like 80 bucks, you know, we had like, we had all these tournaments. You probably wouldn't know any of these, but like we had like Subcon and Grappling X and, and all these like little tournaments. Um, they were all just, you know, smaller tournaments and they were a little bit more expensive, but you could still get matches. So I would just I applied like like the same logic that I use in wrestling to get better. I applied to jujitsu. And it's funny because like in wrestling, I didn't really get good until my senior year. Um, and then I really felt like I was like oh i was I was as good as I'd ever get like i I was just starting to like go on a tear. I was just like winning a lot i was I was kind of on like a like a good win streak in high school. Um, and, uh, I was like really, really, you know, finally got it at the very end of my season, you know? Um, but then it was like over seasons over, you know, if you're not going to wrestle in college, which I wasn't planning on, um, it's, you know, it's all for, that was all for not. Right. So I was like, okay, well, at least I could do the same thing in jujitsu and it's not really going to end. Like, I'm always going to be able to like, keep that going. So, you know, blue or well, not as much blue, but like purple, um brown i just competed all the time and it was like if i lose i lose if i win great but it's just about getting all the matches so i would you know a tournament in the midwest you know at you know 145 and then i the next week i'd do an open weight in alabama you know or like something <laughs> like or oklahoma and then the next week you know there's a local tournament in san diego like a like a grappling x you get a few matches there you know and like like i said get as much experience as possible and you know, start to figure out like, okay, what's working? What's not working? These leg locks seem to work uh, like really, really well against the big dudes, but not as much, um, you know, against the small guys. Cause it's harder to like you know, get the, so like maybe wrestle those guys more, you know, and uh, the big guys, like if wrestling's not working, they're just killing me, they're smushing me. So, you know, it was like stuff like that, you know, it was like, it was troubleshooting really.
1: I wish we had wrestling in Ireland. Actually, I always feel like if we had wrestling in Ireland, it would have helped me a lot. Like, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage to a lot of the Americans starting off. But at least now, over the last few years, starting to get, like, a little bit better overall.
0: It's crazy you saying that because you've had so much success at, like, ADCC, which is like a like a wrestling tournament, you know? Man, I'm, I'm happy Ireland didn't have wrestling. Otherwise, it might be <laughs> destroying all of nah. us. Um, but you guys don't have any wrestling at all? I kind of assumed you did.
1: Nothing. Oh. I think there's some really old-style, like, collar and elbow wrestling, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> Boxing is like big here. So that's the kind of classic sport. Like wrestling is almost seen as dirty. What helps someone who comes from a bit of a wrestling experience translate it into jitsu Because I see some guys who are impressive wrestlers go into like more grappling, submission grappling sports. Some of them can't really translate it much and others have like really good success. Yeah. So what do you found like helps to mix the two together and
0: Yeah. So I kinda have a theory about this. Like the better the wrestler, the harder it is for them to, to transition to jiu jitsu because, like, they're um, in their mind, they're such a good wrestler. Like, if a guy's not wrestling them, then or like or doing something kind of wrestling related, like if they're not like just like shoving their shoulders on their knees and like working from there, or like you know, or or like trying to like snap their head from from some position, like it doesn't really make sense to them. You know, I was like a fairly like eh, wrestler, you know, like it was like I was all right, but I wasn't like. I wasn't married to it. I didn't need to wrestle everyone because I was still like even, you know, some jujitsu guys would wrestle me, you know? So like I was more willing to throw myself into the fire, like the jujitsu fire, so to speak, like playing, playing bottom against guys. And I was fine, you know, I didn't have to be on top. I didn't have to get to a front headlock and I didn't have to double leg you. I at least had that in my back pocket, but I, I could throw myself into like the, you know, the harder part of it, which was obviously the bottom game, the leg locks um, and and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you kind of see it with like, you know, certain... Mixed success level rest like I like obviously Nicky Rods a way better wrestling. He's like amazing and stuff, but like he didn't wrestle at a crazy high level or anything. He was he was um. There's a lot more to Nicky Rod that makes him great, but like a big thing I think was was like he wasn't totally married to it. He could he could uh you know he could learn. He, he was willing to learn a lot of other parts of jiu-jitsu which like I think some of the the wrestling guys that like think they can just hop over to jiu-jitsu now, you know, uh, or at least the high-level ones, you know, think they could hop over to jiu-jitsu and, and, and have the similar level of success. It's like we saw Bo Nickel and, and Gordon, like Bo didn't really try any jiu with him, you know. He was just trying to wrestle him, and it's like, well – I get maybe it's a dangerous strategy trying to do jiu-jitsu with Gordon Ryan, but, like, you'd hope that a guy like that would at least want to, like, want to feel, like, what a really good jiu-jitsu guy feels like, you know, and throw himself in there. That was kind of a terrible example because that's a competitive match. Obviously, his best shot is, like, you know, wrestling him. But still, I guess my my point being you that, like, really, really, really high-level wrestlers have a tough time because they're not as, like, willing to step away from rest
1: do you see that in jiu-jitsu as well with certain guys who have good attributes like you might see it a lot with the leg lock guy and they're too attached to leg locks like chasing that extra one or two percent and for the same amount of time to get one or two percent better in your best area you could like improve 60 percent in your guard passing or something like that
0: that's huge dude that's that's a really good point and i absolutely i see that with with yeah, with a lot of leg loggers, I I I see it with a. I used to see it at least with a lot of like um, IBGF guys, you know, being a little more unwilling to enter the leg realm. Um, now you see it a little bit more. Now they're getting a, like a lot better.
1: Like, what's your process for finding areas that need improvement? And-
0: I mean, I basically just try to see like what what I suck at, you know, what I'm losing, you know, at, or what, I, what I'm getting caught with in the gym. I'll find the guys who are like best at that thing and then I like just I just work with them on that you know obviously like still making sure that I'm remembering to like work like uh, the back stuff and like the leg locks and the stuff that I was like already fairly decent at you know.
1: More from Keith in a moment I just wanted to quickly mention a new Patreon site that I just started recently where I'm sharing all my best jiu-jitsu techniques tactics and ideas with new videos out each week. It's something I've really put a lot of thought and effort into as well in terms of quality and the structure of it, where I'll be releasing weekly in-depth videos, and each month will be based around a different area of the game that I've been working on every day for the last few years. So if it's something that interests you, I'll leave a link in the description, you can check it out, and I'm sure I'll be able to help everyone improve their skills on the mats. But for now, let's get back to the conversation with Keith Gregorian. Competing at ADCC then, I know that was a big moment for me. There was a lot of build-up to it. It was a dream that I had for a long time. How was the experience for you and kind of taking that one off the list almost?
0: It was shitty, dude. Like, it was a shitty, like, I I do not look back on that with much fondness, you know? like Really, yeah. I you know and then my preparation too wasn't what it should have been and I, and, I, and obviously I learned so much about that you know I felt like a boy compared to these dudes who are you know much stronger somehow so weird um but uh
1: <laughs> I wonder how
0: Yeah <laughs> but um but just like I really did my strategizing for like the trials was really good um but less for like ADCC it was like whoa this is totally different you're not just going to go in and like play with a guy and then catch him you know a f- couple minutes in you know it's really important how you play your game there, and um, you know it was good, man. And 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 only recently have I like uh, sat down with one of my friends, and he told me like, listen to because we're we're you know planning for the trials and the next trials after that, um, and then hey, obviously ADCC after that. And um, he's just like, listen, man, like we can we can do well at the trials, right? That's that's like a it's like a feasible goal, but like ADCC take it takes so many tries for guys to win this like it took jt like three tries it took crone like three tries it took uh you know it took oh craig that's what i was thinking of it took craig uh and i don't think he's even won it won it yet but it's taken him like three you know and then and, and they all get smashed at first like it's like a really common thing that even the really really good dudes get smashed right like at their first adc adcc 4a and then after that, they have like a little more success. Maybe they make it out of the first round. Maybe they get smashed again. <laughs> um, but then like the third and fourth time is really when you see like them kind of like figure it out and get get consistent results or like, you know, like good, good results and stuff. And so I can't just look at it in the short term. Like I can't be like, oh, I got my ass kicked and like feel sorry for myself. It's like, okay, like, yeah, you got your ass kicked. That doesn't mean that like you'll never uh that mean doesn't mean that you suck. It doesn't mean that you'll never be good again or like and that you can't have success later you know and um that's what i thought was i was like all right well if i can't win it now it's like i'm never gonna win it but it's looking back it's just a silly that's a silly uh thing you know and um i'm in it for the long haul man like i'm on a long game you know i might not have success this time or next time or the time after but like long term like down the line like i know i can get there and i know it, it's it's feasible and um yeah it's embarrassing losing and it sucks and it's like obviously we're competitive we want to win and we want to like but it's also like it's really useful to lose i guess like if you if you look at it the right way if you respond
1: the right way you know like what you mentioned about being in it for the long haul that's a really good idea to take away from it the time i did adcc i wanted everything to be perfect Mm. you know and i thought that it's because i was taking it seriously and i was i was taking it too seriously but Mm. it's almost like by wanting everything to be perfect it's like i was admitting to myself that if it wasn't perfect i wouldn't win Yeah. The biggest takeaway I had from it was probably how I thought of myself. And finally, I thought of myself as being at a high level. Funny enough, that made my skill basically double as well. Funny the connection that you have between your skills and how you think of your skills as well.
0: (laughs) No, it's true, right?
1: (laughs) And how was it competing against Bouchesha? What are you thinking as you're stepping onto the mat for the first round of the Absolute?
0: I was like thinking there, like, there's got to be a way for me to win this. (laughs) Like, there has to be a way. Like, I know that Bouchesha, like, uh, has, like, cardio issues, you know? So I was, like, going to push him and, like, or at least try to. And uh, the problem was, like, he, that day, he'd only had one match and was against Kanan. He didn't have to have a third-place match with Cyborg. So I was like, fuck, that would have been a really tough match. He probably would have been more tired. So that kind of hurt my chances. It hurt my confidence right before because I was like, fuck, this guy's kind of fresh and, like, He's not gonna use. He's not gonna try to use a lot of energy, like if he doesn't have to. So I have to make him, you know, uh, use all this energy. And I was like thinking, just be annoying, like be squirrely, you know, like like be like, um, you know, hard to pin and just kind of frustrate him, you know. Even if I'm getting my ass kicked, just kind of like, you know, get him moving. And um, I guess it kind of worked a little, but like, I don't know if that's the best strategy. Hindsight
1: you mentioned the different losses that you've had and I'm wondering about how you balance having the big wins and the big losses because you've had a lot of big wins as well how do you find the balance between maybe not getting too excited and maybe not getting too down yourself I don't know if you're hard on yourself when you lose or how's that experience managing the two
0: Uh, it's exactly what you just said like it's it's Either way, it's not letting anything, any result get to your head. You know, um, mm. you might have just had a good day. You might have just had a bad day. It doesn't mean you're a different person or that you're like a worse or better person. You know, it's really important, I think, to like control your your opinion of yourself, right? Like, like you mm. cannot be talking down to yourself, but you can't yeah. be telling yourself that you're the greatest person either, because like that's when you're gonna mm. stop working as hard. Yeah, I'm I'm historically uh like you know, not I wouldn't say like a bad loser. I'm not like, you know, like pushing guys after I lose or something, you know, but, like, but like, I am hard on myself. Like I get I get depressed and I get like, and my my opinion of myself is just like, you know, a little lower after I lose because, you know, it sucks, dude. It's, it's like, it's tough when you dedicate like all your time and all your energy to this one thing. And then it doesn't pay off. You're like, well, if that was like, if I already if I thought if I think that I did everything I, I needed to do, and I still can't win, like, that's discouraging, right? But like I said, you can't be too hard on yourself. You can't be like constantly talking down to yourself or like talking negative. Um, but you also, you cannot tell yourself like that you're the the greatest person in the world. Like Confidence is good, but like overconfidence is obviously like detrimental, you know? So, so it's finding that balance. It's just like, it's like kind of maintaining neutral, you know? And like, it's a really hard thing to do, especially like, and I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if, you know, everyone deals with this, but just like, Actually, I'm sure everyone deals with this. I know it. <laughs> it's like, like, um, like when you're when you're winning, it's like you know people are like constantly congratulating you, telling you like, oh, you did amazing, oh, you're you know so good, whatever. Um, and when you're losing, it's kind of like you know maybe like the the public perception of you is that you suck or like that you know whatever. Like like that's you know it happens, you know. And uh, you can't look at either way. Like you just can't look at it like just because someone says it, it's true. You know, it's it's um you have to be secure with like who you are you know and know that like man like people might be saying I'm great but like I got a lot like there's a lot of things that I need to work on you know and there's a lot of it's just a lot of self-improvement you need to make you know and and if people are I don't know people don't really like I'm sure they're not shitting on us constantly right but like in your head it's like you think just like the world's out to get you or whatever and it's like no no you're you're human you make mistakes you lose you you try your hardest and you still fail you know and that's just You have to be able to accept that, you know,
1: you deal with that a little bit, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, some of the things that would help me would be just taking care of never putting yourself down, you know, because that can get into a bad habit. The biggest time I noticed it was probably the day I got my blue belt. My skills increased about 20%. Like I was submitting people in the change of one day, I was submitting people that I had never submitted before. I was not accepting passes against people that were... That were passing me easy That's before. That's so funny. And it's it's purely because I thought of myself different. Well, that shows how important the different self-image is like. So I just try and take care and try and notice when I'm putting myself down a bit too much. It's easy when you say it like that. In yeah. in reality, it's a lot of me slapping myself in the face and then <laughs> yeah. showing up again the next day trying to come up with an answer.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny you say that because I remember like when I got my first stripe on my white belt, I was not accepting anything against anyone anymore like i like before then it was like oh yeah i'm kind of like okay with getting my ass kicked it's like "Eh, i don't know anything you know but then as soon as i got that one (laughs) stripe i remember being like no man i gotta be good now like i'm almost a black belt you know
1: (laughs) thanks a million for coming on the show keith really enjoyed chatting to you today now and best of luck with everything coming up
0: thank you man likewise and i appreciate you having me on
1: big thanks to keith for coming on the show it was great to hear about his early days in the sport and how he managed to translate his wrestling experience over into his jiu-jitsu game as well. It was also great to hear about his competitive experiences, and the different takeaways and lessons that he's learned from that. Also, a quick mention, don't forget to check out the link in the description to my Patreon if you're looking to learn some of my best jiu-jitsu positions and techniques. And also, if you enjoy the podcast, share it with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe for more if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Slana agus bannacht.